It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, Fantasy Baseball League veteran and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Coach, it's Dan. So glad that you're listening today. We started a series of webinars that uh, we do live and then we record them and we'll put the recordings up at Honey Badger Recruiting. So hopefully you're a part of that site. You can see the link to that at dantutor.com. But we have started this series of webinars and we're calling them the What Do You Do When webinars. So what do you do when a prospect says this? What do you do when the situation demands that? And the first episode that we launched was what do you do when you cost more than your competition, because whether you are a small Division three coach, an AIA, you're a D2 coach, you can give some money, but not the full ride. You're a D1 coach, you're not fully funded in that sport, and the athlete is going to have to pay something. For almost every single coach in the country, cost becomes a factor. That's why we did this webinar, and it got a great response. Uh, and a lot of coaches have asked questions as a follow-up. One question that we got from our text message group, which let me pause there. Uh, we have a lot of different ways to interact with uh, our organization for you as a college coach. A lot of free stuff over at dantutor.com. I mentioned the Honey Badger recruiting link. There's a subscription for that, small monthly subscription, or you get it for free if you're a client. And we also have a text message group uh, that is really for coaches that want to interact a little more personally, get more kind of short bursts of information throughout the week. And that group can be accessed. You can sign up for free for that. Costs nothing for you. Uh, all you have to do is text me at 661-218-2166. You just send me a text. You're automatically added. You can stop anytime. Like I said, it doesn't cost anything. So having said all that, we had a response from a coach on the text message group to the podcast, uh, sort of the webinar link that we um, that we put out uh, and shared with the text message group, all about having to do with cost. So again, the webinar was, what do you do when you cost more? And the follow-up question was kind of the, the flip side of that. Um, what do you do when you get some objections about your cost. And the way that this coach framed the question to me is, how would you market our program? Uh, which I always think is fun because it really gets then into the minutia of that program. You get to talk about specifics. Because a lot of times when we put stuff out um, on a podcast, on the website, uh, even in if we're giving a talk at a convention that you might be attending, we have to generalize it a little bit because there's a lot of different types of coaches and uh, and programs represented, division levels, and so on. But when a coach asks this question, I love it because you really get to dig in and think about how you would market to that specific program using the principles that we see working for every coach. So this coach asked that question. I wanted to answer it for him, but I also wanted to share it with all of you because I think it will help you figure out how to market your program uh, better, more specifically, and not be afraid of some of the objections. So the, uh, I, follow up uh, I followed up with this coach and asked him some follow-up questions. And kind of the details that he shared was that they are a school that um, costs 
on the on the lower side, between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars a year. That's before any kind of aid or scholarship. They are Division One. They are um, in a in an area or a state that may not be tops on the list for your typical recruit, but certainly uh, beautiful once you get there. Um, but smaller town, uh, a little more remote, and he's in a sport that where you're not going to have fully funded scholarships. And so cost does factor in. But the interesting thing that uh, this Division One coach asked was, we get the objection, not what happens if you cost more, but because we cost less, there's a little bit of this perception that among the prospects that they're questioning the academic viability or the academic prestige, the worth of the education at that school because it doesn't cost as much as everybody else. So, it, and we've gotten this question before. And I think it's a great question. It's interesting, just as an aside, how coaches usually focus on my school's so expensive, I can't sell it. We've got you know these objections that come up because of cost. Well. The flip side is true too. Wait, it's only it only costs this much. Uh, how can it be worth it? Um, it goes to what we talked about in the webinar, actually. Uh, and if you're a Honey Badger recruiting subscriber, you can go there. You can watch the webinar. It's about thirty minutes long. It really goes into detail about cost and value, and that's where, where this goes to. As we are buying something, whether it's us as adults and coaches, or it's the prospect and their family buying an education. We are making value judgments. We're trying to figure out if I pay X, if I invest X into this college career, is it going to give me a return on that investment? And sometimes we associate in our real life world, the, some, the more expensive something is, the better it is. Now, if you think about houses or apartments, where you're going to live as a college coach, you get the new job. You're looking for a place to, to live, whether that's a house, apartment, you want to stay there a long time, you think this might be a jumping off point, you're only going to be there a year or two, whatever the case may be, we look at places to live and we're making a value judgment. Sometimes that's based on what our salary is and what we want to devote as a part of that salary towards living expenses. We have to make that value judgment. Where is the place that's in the best neighborhood, the best I can afford, maybe the biggest I can get? for this price point that I can afford. So we're making a value judgment. Maybe we want, we've gotten the, the great job. We want to stay at the place for a long time. Uh, we have more disposable income. Hey, I'm going to buy a house. So we do the same thing. What is the best neighborhood, the best house, maybe the best investment over these next few years that I can put money into and have a return if I sell it? We are making a value judgment coach. The same thing takes place when a prospect is looking at your school. So the question that this coach brings up is very real, very applicable, and smart because coaches, I want to tell you, your prospects are making value judgments all along the way. And this coach is identifying one when it comes to the cost of their school. Um, it's less expensive, and so they have to fight the perception that Maybe it's not, air quotes here, as good as another school that is more expensive. So the question, again, is how would I market to that school? If I was a coach there, that's how I always put it. If I'm a coach 
at the same school in the same situation that this coach is asking me a question, uh, how would I answer it for myself? I'm going to tell you how I would answer this. And look, this is my opinion based on research. I'm not saying this is the only way to do it or even the right way to do it. But based on what I know, based on what I've seen coaches try and maybe fail and others try and succeed, I'm going to lay out the, the plan. So the first thing is I know because I hear from hundreds, actually thousands of kids a year in our focus group surveys that we do to build out the strategies, the research and everything that we then teach coaches. I know that, as I mentioned, they're going through this value judgment every time. So when they are going through a value judgment phase of their decision-making process, what they're trying to do is differentiate one versus the other. I am instantly trying to compare and put into an order all my choices. Coaches sometimes forget this. Point number one I want to lay out to you is that they are trying to put order into this very chaotic situation. So my job as the coach is not to appear and sound and look like everybody else. That's the worst thing I can do, especially with some of the specifics that this coach laid out that are some of the differentiators with, uh, in, in their, um, in their, uh, at their school, uh, how, how it's going to be perceived. I don't want to, and I can't try to compare myself to somebody I think is better or bigger in a better location with a higher, um, a higher tuition and that is going to equal in the prospect's mind, maybe a better education. I can't do any of that. I have to own where I'm at. Uh, for you, that might be, I'm at a smaller school for you. That might be, I'm a D one head coach. I took over a program and I have to completely rebuild it because wow, it was in shambles. Some other situation, your job is to differentiate because I know as the coach that that prospect is looking at me and instantly trying to put me in order. Um, we like to think that we keep an open mind about things as adults. We like to think and hope that prospects keep an open mind about things as they're making a decision. They don't. We all instantly want to put order into our life, especially with a concept or a decision or a choice we have to make. We want order. We can't just float around and let things bounce around and constantly having uh, different favorites. You know, every minute it changes that you know that what that does, it creates stress and we don't like stress. So we try to put it into order. Prospects are doing the same thing. So my job as the coach is to own what we have here and differentiate it from everybody else. So if this is a coach and I'm in a program that's a little bit out of the way, a little smaller than some of my competitors maybe, or what my prospects are going to be looking at, um, I have a very affordable education, but along with that, that comes with some negative perceptions, which is how good is the education if you're in a small place and it's inexpensive. I have to answer those things. Um, great facilities, by the way. So some of the things that other coaches struggle with, they don't have that problem. Uh, they are D1 with some really good facilities. So I'm coming in with some positives. I'm coming in with some perceived negatives. The first thing I want to do this is really the next step in the process. If I'm going to differentiate, I'm going to start with defining and outlining and, and building a case around what I think the perceived negatives are. So a couple of ways to do that. Let's take the location and the size of the school. So we're a small school that is uh, more remote, 
harder to get to more of a destination place than some of my competitors in that region of the U.S. That is going to be one of the first things I mention. It might sound something like this, that if I was on a call or I'm texting or I'm creating that first email or even a letter out to the, the, uh, the athlete, if I'm talking about the location, I'm going to say, the first thing I want you to know is that you're going to know right away whether or not this is the right place for you when you step on the campus because of where we're located and what it feels like here. Um, I always want to insert a feeling because I know that's how they're making their, uh, their decision, largely based on feelings. I also want to sort of dangle out the idea that you need to come to campus to visit because they come to campus, I have a better chance of getting them. And so let's get into campus. Let's always be mentioning that you should come to campus to look for yourself. So I'm, I'm going to start with that. The thing that I'm trying to do is draw a line in the sand and not be afraid of approaching what some coaches at my school might think is a kind of a touchy negative subject, which is, uh-oh, location's coming up again, the size of the school. I'm going to address it head on. I want it to be a selling point. I want to define it before my competitors define it in a negative way, which you know happens, uh, and it happens to you, maybe in some other aspect besides location, could be facilities, your cost, whatever, um, your record, your conference. I always want to own those things. I want to define them, not my competitor. So in this situation, I'm going to, as a, again, as a way of differentiating that because the question is, how would I approach this? I want to differentiate first. How I'm going to do that is by bringing up the negatives and, and turning them to make them the things that should be based, uh, the decision should be based on. So, so I, for instance, I can't hide where we're located. I can't hide the size of the school. So I want to sell it. And, and part of selling it is to tell them when athletes get here and they actually see what we're all about, where we are, how beautiful it is, and where they get to compete, instantly they know this is the right place for them. And that's what I want to figure out if that's what you're going to do when you get here for your visit. Does it feel like the right place? Does it, because most kids are surprised at how much they like it here. Okay. So I'm going to stop there. In, in creating that phrase and creating that approach, what I'm doing is I'm telling the athlete there's a reason to take us seriously. There's a reason to come visit, be here in person. And also, and most importantly, what I'm trying to do is show them, look, when you see the price, when you see the location, when you see the size of the school, those things should be positives in your mind. So the other thing I might throw in is, you know, in addition to location, Compared to some of the other schools you might visit, we're going to be on the smaller side. And that's another advantage that we have over most of our competition. Okay, So what have I done there? Just in, in that phrase, and you might phrase it differently, but in that concept that we're putting forward, what am I doing? I'm saying the size, which again, let's say that's another negative that I'm worried about, is actually a positive. How is it going to be a positive? Well, I can go into detail later. I don't need to do it in this first message. It might be because more personalized attention. You're not going to get overlooked. You're going to have a bunch of friends that you're close with on campus. You're going to know your professors. Um, and I, I'll be able to give evidence of this. But again, what I'm trying to do is take a negative and make it the positive. Using the size of the school to say, 
not only is it a good thing, but it's actually going to be the thing that differentiates us from the competitors you might be looking at. Again, I don't have a choice. I have to do that. If I say nothing with either of those things that I brought up, if I say nothing, if I hope that they just figure it out on their own that it's a good place, or I hope that it just doesn't come up, or I, I just hope that it doesn't become another objection I have to deal with. What I'm doing is deferring to two different parties that are probably not going to um, define it in a way that I want. Party number one is that family, the recruit and their parents. I'm rolling the dice. Maybe they like it, but maybe they don't. I have to, when there's a vacuum of, of a lack of information, when I, as the coach, haven't laid out the reasons why they should like something or how they should view something at our school with our program, what I'm doing is assigning that role to them. And they don't know how to do it because they've never been to campus. And so if I don't know about something, if I have a lack of information, if I'm walking in with some biases uh, at the start, am I going to have a positive view of that thing or am I going to have a negative view? Probably negative. So we have to start with a positive and define it as a positive. So that's number one. The other party I might hand it over to if I don't say anything is the competition. So I want to be in control of the narrative. I want to be in control of the conversation. I want to be the one to define size of the school or the location or the cost and why that's a good thing. Cost, very. I think it's probably easy to do that you, we give you the same business degree, the same English degree, the same uh, biology degree that's going to open up the same opportunities here that they do at other schools, but because we're not a fully funded sport and you're going to pay part of your education, you're going to be able either to afford it and pay for it while you're in school, your parents will be able to help with that, or if you do take out a loan, you're going to be in a far better position to pay that off way earlier and much less expensively than your counterparts who are going to go to the larger school, the more expensive school. Um, and so I'm going to make that case. But again, coach, I have to be, as the coach, I have to be the one to make that case. If I don't, someone is going to make it for me. And that scares me because I don't think that's going to go well, quite frankly. Um, if you see it going well, if you like what your competition says about you, then you don't have to say anything. Let them define you positively. Or if your prospect always defines you pro uh, positively, great. But we both know that, that that doesn't happen. So you have to take control. Tudor University has been the standard for advanced training and education for college coaches who want to truly learn to recruit effectively. And now it's all new. The latest techniques, the newest trends, and how coaches need to change their approach with this class of recruits. For ongoing education that will help you run a better program, go to dantutor.com and click on the Tudor University button to see why coaches everywhere have trusted it for more than a decade. And now, back to the show. So, number one in marketing this program, I would... Um, I would define it like that. I would differentiate as step number one. Step number two, once I do that, once I have sort of set the table and defined how this conversation is going to go, I want to be very clear about messaging to them and having a conversation with them as the prospect 
how they should make their decision. So look, when you come here to visit our campus, and I want you to take your other visits and, and compare us to other people, based on my experience as a coach in this sport at the college level, here is how I would advise you to make this decision. Okay, I would use that phrasing exactly. Based on my experience as a coach this in this sport at the college level, here's how... Here's my advice on how to approach this decision. Now, in, in saying it that way, I have put myself as the expert over them. Even if I'm a young coach, I only have a year and a half of experience. I'm still more experienced coaching my sport at the college level than that parent and that athlete. And I need to establish my credibility that way. So I'm going to say that. And then I'm going to come up with uh, one, six, nine points, whatever the number is, things about their decision, how they make their decision, that is going to line up favorably for me and my school and my program. So using the examples that we just talked about, if I've already differentiated about or mentioned you know, the differentiation between uh, uh, price and the size of the school, the location and everything, I'm going to maybe say step, you know, the first thing that you need to do as a prospect is find the place that feels right for you. Uh, number one. Number two, make sure the school isn't so big that you just feel like a number because you're going to feel lost. And that's a big reason why so many athletes transfer. They never get connected to their school, something like that. Uh, number three might be around cost. Um, make sure you don't go into more than X number of dollars in debt. Now, all these things are my opinion as the coach. So really, I, I can't tell you, and there's no secret formula as to what number is right, what order of things is right, what to include, not, not include. It really is up to you. But what I want to focus on here, and the thing that I'm trying to get to you is that you need to put out your reasons for making the decision to go to your school and to let you be their coach and not have them going kind of randomly making this decision or coming up with their own reasons. They're going to come up with their own reasons already. Um, and, and by the way, they may disagree with one of your, one of your reasons. So they may find that another school does that better. That's okay. What I have to sell is my program, my school, my situation. And I need that to be the thing that is the standard. Um, I, I worked for very, very early, and we're talking decades ago, in uh, my sales and management career in the corporate world, worked for a very large national company. We did a lot of government contracts. And one of the people I worked with, I think, was just ingenious in the way that he approached this um, with government agencies. He would, as a part of a proposal for our company to build out a system within that government agency. He would always include a list of specifications that he termed as the minimum specifications for this, for this job. So what he would do is line out everything that our system would do as the minimum requirements. And our systems happen to be very good and wouldn't be able to be matched by the competitors. So, he would, as a part of the proposal and as a part of the contract, say, here is a set of minimum specifications of what you should be looking for to make this decision. Well, 
you know, did every client look at that and abide by it? No. But for some who didn't have the intricacy uh, or the intricate knowledge of, of, you know, putting together the complicated systems that we did for, uh, for corporations and businesses, they would rely on that. That would be their go-to. This person gave me sort of a cheat sheet. I'm going to use it. Well, when they use it, guess what? None of our competition ever got the deal. We did because we lined out the minimum specifications for that that job. And I'm suggesting, Coach, that you take a page from that and do the same thing with your prospects. Create, in a sense, a, a list of minimum specifications that say, here are the ways you can make this decision the right way. Because as you may have noticed, they don't know how to make the decision. And I think instinctively, most of them feel like I, where we are in the dark. We are sort of searching for things. And if I don't know how to do something, what am I going to relate, uh, be, what am I going to, to base my decision on? Stupid stuff like how big is the conference? Um, what color are your uniforms? Which is a real decision-making point, by the way. We hear it all the time. Uh, who is the most expensive? Who is the least expensive? Who offers me first? Whatever it is, they're coming up with random, illogical points that frustrate you. I mean, I mentioned, I threw out a couple. You have your own list of reasons you hear kids make decisions and you roll your eyes because that's not the smart way to do it. All right. I agree with you, coach. Now it's on you. Tell them the smart way to do it and just have that line up with your school and what you offer. That's part of differentiation. That's how I would begin to sell it. Now, as we go through the process, because again, this coach asked the question, I'm just going to review it again since we're 25 minutes into this conversation. This coach asked, how would you sell my school? And specifically around the idea that academically, we might not be perceived as the best because we're also lower cost. I want to, if I hear my prospect, or I assume and hear that most of my prospects are they're dealing with that perception. They always have to get past the fact that we maybe don't have the academic reputation and the, the higher costs that a more prestigious school does. Job number one for me, if that's the biggest objection, I want to attack it first thing. So I've differentiated. I told them how to make the decision. So now what do I talk about? And we have all this time left with the recruit. I'm going to start with the largest objection. Why? Well, it goes back to what I said earlier. First of all, I don't want my competitor to define it for me because as we've talked about in workshops that we've done on college campuses the last couple of decades, what we know about decision-making and human uh, buying decision interaction is that when I decide something as a buyer in our society, when I decide something is true or I feel like I've defined something and this is what I think about it, it is very hard for us to change our minds. Very, very hard. To our own detriment many times, by the way. Um, we see this all the time. The example I always go to is elections and politics. Everybody has their own view of the world, their own view of parties, candidates, philosophies. And we have all said our view is right. Everything that I believe is the smart way to think about it, and I believe it that way. And if you think about it, you know, again, in politics and elections and things, 
how open-minded are you really? How often do you vote for the other party or the other candidate that isn't uh, on the, the red team or the blue team? What, how often do you vote for them? Probably not very often because, again, they don't match up with what I believe. I'm not, I've closed off ideas uh, in my mind that, that might uh, conflict with what I believe is true. And so I've decided, and that's it. Well, that same approach is used by recruits and families in the decision-making process. So once that competitor says, why are you looking at School X over there? They're so small, and it's so remote. You're not going to have any fun. And plus, I'm not even sure how good the education is because of, uh, you know, have you seen what they cost? They barely cost anything. How good can the degree be? I let that other coach make those statements to my recruit. Good luck for to me trying to change that mind and unhook all those wires that have now been connected. I'm not going to be able to do it. Why? Because that makes sense to that athlete. They don't know anything different. Somebody finally answered it for them. I don't want that to be my competitor. I want it to be me. So I'm going to address that head on. I might spend five, six, seven weeks talking about over and over and over in sequential order with small, manageable bits of information going out, another reason why our education is just as good as these other larger schools, why graduating with less debt is something that you should be looking for and it's a criteria for choosing a school, how we are actually more personalized in the way that we educate our student-athletes. Uh, and whatever the other you know, reasons that you would want to come up with. Um, that's how, by the way, we approach it. I know many of you that are listening, you are clients of ours. We do help you with formulating your recruiting message and helping you manage that. But for some of you, you you have never really looked at that side of what we do. It's the main thing of what we do. Uh, we work with you know close to now 700 different individual coaching programs uh, sports programs at colleges all around the country, and we help them create their um, their recruiting messaging, their recruiting outreach, what the theme should be, how are we going to attack that, and we're, we're dang good at what we do, and, and why I'm saying that is that this is part of our process in deciding what do we focus on, how do we convince the kids that our client is recruiting that that's a school they should take seriously. And one of the first things we often decide to attack is objections. We need to be the one to define the objection. And it works, and so I'm suggesting that you do that as a way of differentiating yourself from uh, another school. And then, of course, I mean, there's, there's a lot of just interpersonal communication that goes on as you get deep into the process that is going to tell you, am I trending towards getting that athlete or is that athlete trending away from me? Are they likely to go somewhere else? And that's actually part of how I would you know, sell the school. If I feel as the coach that I'm five, six months in, they still haven't set up their campus visit. Um, they don't seem to really react positively when I talk about the area, the size of the school. Um, and I'm just not getting the feeling or, I, or, I, or I'm just not seeing the same progression that I would see in an athlete who ends up committing to our school. If I don't see that it's moving in a positive direction. I, as the coach, I, as Dan, coaching at your school, would make the assessment 
do I keep recruiting that athlete or not? Because we talk about how to sell a school, how to sell a program, how would I approach it and market it? Important question. The other thing that goes along with that, the balance to that is what is the timeline and how much patience do I have with that recruit to absorb that message? Because the longer I take with that recruit, it means I'm not focusing and giving attention to another recruit who may be more interested, who might be just one or two spots down on the list. So I have to balance this with the reality that this is a finite process year to year. I don't have unlimited amount of time. I don't have years normally to get them to decide to take us seriously and put us you know, at the, at the top of the list. I have months. Sometimes I only have weeks. And if I don't see it moving well, the smartest thing that I can do as a coach is to say, thanks. I don't think this is going the direction I want it to go, but good luck. Let us know if anything changes because we'll be here. But I have other recruits that are just demanding more of my time and that really seem like they want to be here. Um, I need to voice that and move on because the earlier I do that, the better their replacement on my recruiting list is going to be. Proportionally, the later I wait to have that happen, the more hope I hold out, which usually doesn't doesn't pan out, I have to then replace them with a lesser quality athlete. And that's what hurts coaching careers and, and doesn't build a program. So it's not only the marketing message, it's also the balance of how am I managing that marketing message? Um, and so that's going to be probably the thing that, as you were listening to this, you may not have expected me to insert into the conversation. I'm inserting it into the conversation as maybe one of the most important aspects that coaches mismanage on a regular basis. They wait too long. They don't have a defined timeline put in place with that, um, with that prospect, which, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast episode, the one before this we deal with a question from a coach live in a meeting on a campus about timelines and deadlines. So you might want to go back an episode and try to find that one and listen to it. If you're, if you've never thought about or talked about uh, timelines with your prospect, regardless of your division level, that's something that you should listen to because it's got the core of what I'm talking about here. When you do that, that's when the whole message comes into play. And I'll add one or two more things here at the end as we wrap up. I want you to be comfortable with where you're at. And if you're not comfortable, if it costs too much, if the AD is a jerk, if you feel like the school is not a good place, then go coach somewhere else. Because I think a part of what you need for yourself, for your own self-esteem and and, uh, moral compass, is to be in a place where doing the things that I've suggested feel good. doesn't mean it's it's not difficult or challenging. And, and hey, a newsflash, you could go to the number one ranked school in the country in Division One and have the largest budget and the biggest facilities, the newest this and that. And I'm here to tell you that when we step into your office and you want to talk to us or we are working with you, and we work with a lot of programs at very, very high levels across the country in different sports, Guess what? The door shuts. They have the same objections they have to deal with, the same things they're trying to overcome that a coach at a small school would have. Nothing changes in terms of objections. It's never easy everywhere. 
Top programs lose their best recruits all the time, just like you do. So that part doesn't get easier. How you manage it is the thing that that makes the difference. But again, I think that goes to uh, this recommendation I'm making now at the end of this conversation for this coach that asked the question originally, as well as um, other coaches who are just, you know, you that might be just listening in. You have to feel good about where you're at. You have to feel comfortable making the strong case that, of course, this is where you want to go. And here's the reasons why. That's your job. And that's my the second point is, at the core part of who you are as a recruiter, it is your responsibility, coach, to passionately and consistently and strongly tell that recruit why they'd be crazy not to come play for you not to come compete at your school, not to commit to your program. That's the kind of passion that I want, that you need to be successful. Because when you voice that passion, when they see that you're that passionate about your program, that will get recruits to commit. That's one of the things they're measuring is, do you seem to like it here? Do you feel like I'd be a good fit? Do you seem to want me? All those things are important in communicating. Um, because the truth is that that athlete that you're recruiting could probably be happy at a lot of different schools. They get to decide that. They get to decide the price, location, what, what they want. Your job is to voice it and to give them the reasons that if you're a good football player, if you're a good track and field athlete, if you're a great swimmer, this is where you should be, and here's why. That's how you market any school, and many of you are going to change campuses during your career or have already you're going to market it differently, but use the same constructive patterns that I just went over. That's what we see being successful. But you take charge, coach. Don't let somebody else define that program that you love and that you're trying to build for you. That's when disaster strikes. We don't want disaster. I want you to build a freaking juggernaut. And most of it starts with you and ends with you. And it's how you present it and how much passion you do that with the prospects are looking they're watching you they're listening to you and that's why it's so important that's the way that i would sell that program if given the chance if i was a coach at that school so coach i hope that helped college recruiting weekly is a production of tutor collegiate strategies copyright 2022 through 2023 to contact the host email him at dan at dantutor.com And do us a solid, Coach. Rate and review our podcast right now. Plus, it wouldn't kill you to tell your fellow coaches about it, would it? So do that, too. And stay tuned for the next amazing episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.